0: Was a bit of a surprise. Um, it's in Swedish, but I guess it means happy birthday. All right, let me introduce myself. I'm Matthew, and this is
1: Dave. Hello, uh, I'm Dave, yes. Didn't realize you're going to introduce me for me, but thanks, Matt. That's fine. Yeah,
0: well, I didn't realize you were going to be playing happy birthday music
1: either. <laughs> well, I thought. I'm it assuming was... it's happy birthday. Tell me, what does it mean? It is happy birthday. Yeah, it means happy birthday. Uh, hope you live to 100. And when you get to 100, you'll get put into a wheelbarrow and taken away, is basically what it means.
0: We're playing Happy Birthday because it is our birthday. It's not your birthday or my birthday, actually. It's our it birthday. the podcast's
1: Indeed. birthday.
0: Indeed. Yes. Happy birthday, us. Woo! <laughs> so, a year ago. We lasted a year. This is a 19th episode of the main podcast, but we've done a whole bunch of um, actual plays as well. Almost as many actual play episodes, I think, we've done or maybe even more, than we've done um, main podcasts. I don't know. I haven't about. counted
1: up, no, no. But yeah, I mean, who 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 would have thought that uh, a year later, here we are on episode 19, and um, still going kind of pretty strong. But today, so let's get on with, uh, you know, stop patting ourselves on the back, and get on with what we've got coming today. So we'll start with World of Gaming. We've got a few bits of bobs to talk about there. And as mm-hmm. we're being a bit... Uh, re- review of the year because it is a year on. Matt and I are both going to talk a little bit about some of our favourite things over the last year and we'll, we'll do that uh, throughout the podcast and then in the middle... yeah,
0: it, It's not going to be a clip show though, is it? Well, People that... aren't going to turn off now straight away because there's nothing new in this episode.
1: No, no, not at all. There might be one or two very yeah. short favourite clips but uh, no, we've got a, an essay that you've done, Matthew, haven't you, on uh, how to play group concepts which looking forward yep, to yep. a bit later on, that would be first excellent. first
0: one in our How to Play Coriolis series.
1: Indeed, uh, for those who <laughs> yeah, you need the help. Then I will give a quick Spectral Corsair update, followed by a special Players in the Hamam, where uh, a couple of days ago I sat down with the crew of the Spectral Corsair to get their views on, on the game, on the campaign, and we will play that towards the end.
0: Right. Is this the one where they all wish that I'd been the GM?
1: No, this is the one where they actually say how great I am, actually. Uh, oh, I'd like to, like to just point out. again. <laughs> they, they, I think one of them even mentions, look, like, stop, stop blowing up his ego, will you? So, uh, you know, I was quite happy there, you know, basking in the glory of happy players, which is a good thing for a GM. So that's, that's what they makes me keep happy. keep
0: GM hungry. Yeah, so we've got quite a lot to get through. I mean, particularly in the world of gaming. Yeah. There's really quite a lot that's happened. And I want to kick off with something that I I feel I've somewhat stupidly rushed out and pre-ordered. I say stupidly because I've never actually purchased any edition of this game before, <laughs> but this edition has got me excited. And the game we're talking about is Vampire, which is now a Swedish game. It it was it was written in America, it's still got loads of Americans involved, but it's published by White Wolf, and not just published by White Wolf. It's distributed by Modiphius, who distribute distribute Freelaghan products, and it's graphically designed and laid out by our friends at yeah,
1: Indeed, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I've done exactly the same. I very foolishly, never having owned this game before, but having played it a bit, uh, I've already pre-ordered it as well, which was, again, a bit of an impulse buy, which uh, I, I don't think I'll regret, but... I I know very little about how version or um, edition five is going to actually run. So do you know much about the the actual game mechanics or the rule system?
0: Yeah. So there was um, somewhat controversially a a playtest packet, an alpha, as it were, that came out probably about a year ago now after a convention in Berlin. I think maybe, maybe, maybe just before or just, around Gen Con. Mm, Right. And uh, that met with some controversy, which we'll talk about in (laughs) a moment. But the thing that first whetted my appetite for it... Well, actually, let's let's take a... I think we ought to just wind back a little bit and talk about our history with Vampire. Because, to be honest, I think we could safely say we don't like Vampire very much. (laughs) Is that true for you too, Dave?
1: Well, my experience of Vampire is playing a... Uh, a red cap in the campaign that our friend Andy ran and i, I really enjoyed yeah. i really enjoyed the campaign i thought it was really good We didn't seem to go for very long but it was quite um it was very eclectic in that uh we had a werewolf we had a red cap we had at least one vampire um so there's a, a wide range of supernatural things in yeah. it. so i think there was possibly too much variation in all of that stuff, to really get the best out of the game. My other, yeah. my other experience is I, uh, I'm not sure if I ought to admit this, I did a couple of Vampire Masquerade LARPs. You LARPed. I did LARP. Well done. Um, <laughs> and they were a bit shit, frankly. Um, I'm not sure whether that was uh, because... Were the they with th-
0: anybody I know, or were they at university or something?
1: Uh, Dave Webb was running them. Yeah. And loads of people I didn't know. So it was yeah. it was interesting but um so that's my experience of 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 Vampire the Masquerade.
0: I think I created a vampire for that LARP, but in the end couldn't make it for some mm. reason or other. So Yeah, I was playing a hearing vampire. From you, I one. don't even think I knew I knew you were involved but hearing that they were crap I'm glad I didn't <laughs> um, change my plans or whatever to 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 get there. Uh, yeah and and I think we also learned from that experience that Andy ran Andy's a great GM he is. but I think, in retrospect, I have discovered since one thing that experienced players have always said is, Don't mix the different world of darkness games; they don't mix yeah. I think they all have the same rule system, but they don't really <laughs> uh, and so I think he was on hiding to nothing with that one. I think you, as you say you were you were playing um the fairy game, whatever that's called yeah changeling i was i my character was uh, mage um that was which, it yeah. Uh, is is great. Uh, I love mage uh, in a way that I don't like vampire.
1: I say we had some good scenarios in there, though. I mean, I, I enjoyed. it. I mean, I, as a, as a player, I didn't really feel the the rule clunkiness because I think Andy handled that really well. I I just felt that maybe it was uh, if we'd had a more focused on werewolves or changelings or vampires or whatever, you could have got more into the kind of the context and the narrative around them explore them a bit more whereas we were yeah we were spread I think thin really and interesting wide interesting
0: thing there about the philosophy behind the games because at the end of the day mage is about people's pride as they acquire more power possibly dehumanizing them fairies are about you guys not really being human at all anyway but uh, <laughs> getting further away from humanity vampires are obviously they're meant to be monsters and they're meant to be getting less and less human as they go. And that is meant to be a bad thing. As yeah. you become a more powerful vampire, you're becoming a less good human.
1: More of a, more were, of a monster. Less
0: human at all. Yeah. yeah, more of a monster. And of course, actually, particularly the way we played it, but I've heard it about other vampire games where they don't mix the different genres. You end up playing with, uh, I felt as... My lovely Akashic Brotherhood mage, that I was surrounded by superheroes in trench coats who occasionally needed to sip a bit of blood. And they weren't really that monstery at all.
1: I have heard something similar from other players, actually, about the you know, vampires effectively being sort of superheroes with pointed teeth, which I think takes away takes away from the role playing experience of actually role playing a vampire. Because I think the idea of role playing a vampire, which I don't think I've ever done. The idea of doing that is actually really quite enticing.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I was just about to say that there's, I think there's a game called Trenchcoats and Katanas, which is explicitly a piss take of playing vampires as superheroes. (laughs) Ah. So I think, I, I don't think it was just our experience. I think that's quite a common feature of Vampire. But the thing that's really interested me about a year ago in the new version of Vampire. Was that Ken Height was involved. Now, Ken Haidt is the writer of one of my favourite vampire games, which is Night's Black Agents, mm. where very much the vampires are the monsters. In the rules, it says, you know, don't even think about playing a vampire. If you're vampirised, you're a bad guy. Yeah. Get out of the game. Roll yourself a new character who isn't a vampire. He might still be a bad guy, let's face it, but he's not a vampire. And so I was really intrigued by this, because I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that Ken Haidt said he would never write for vampire because they're not monstrous enough. And so I was intrigued um, to hear that he was writing it, and I rather hoped that actually he'd deal with the whole superheroes in trench coats aspect of vampire. And then when I read the playtest packet from Berlin, from the Berlin conference, which I think came out at, the, um, at Gen Con, I realised that he had dealt with it pretty effectively because hmm. they're pretty monstrous in that playtest packet.
1: But then presumably there were a lot of players who were shocked and distraught about the the change of emphasis. And then,
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, big time, yes. Yeah. I think we might be speaking to a group of our listeners who I have to say, listeners, you may be on the other, div- other side of the divide from for me on this one. But yeah, there were people there who were really saying this is not the game I want to play. I want to be a monster but I don't want to be that much of a monster mm. and so yeah you know I think we'll have to agree to disagree but I'm very enthusiastic about this game and it's always uh, yeah it's uh, always a
1: risk isn't it when you have a new edition of a, new, of a of a much beloved game because I think similarly with Legend of the five rings the you know the fourth edition that we've been playing and are playing is so good that if the fifth edition which again I don't really know a huge amount about what um, what it's gonna look like if that is miles away from fourth edition then just kind of ignore it as a player it just you know it's, it's an opportunity missed to to do something you know more exciting with the uh with the with the idea so i, I get yeah that some people might be you know people who've played vampire a lot more than i have and have got a real love for it i can i can get that they would be disappointed if the emphasis was changed
0: Yes, well, we we shall have to see. I've played another game. I played with my kids, or rather with my son and his friend, another version, and another attempt at the fifth edition of Legends of the Five Rings. R. And it's still not doing it for me. No, okay. I'm still preferring yeah. fourth edition. So uh, we'll wait and see. I think they've just announced, actually, uh, a, a, a pre-orders of a starter kit for that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. We'll wait and see. That one I'm not rushing out to buy. Sight unseen, like I am vampire, which is crazy, hmm, well, In other news, yeah,
1: uh, exactly, so so the Yaen uh, ringen Kickstarter for Ynderost, the darkest star has now closed and finished with nine hundred and fifty eight backers, which I think is a bit of a record, so that's excellent news, mm-hmm. I and mean, on that theme, I just want to say a great big shout out and thanks to Doug Shute from Victory Conditioned games and obviously Matthias Jonsson, for having the opportunity to to be with them a couple of weeks ago on Doug's interview, and I had a really great time. It was uh, really nice to to chat to those guys, and a real pleasure to have been invited on. So thanks again, Doug, for that, and uh, if, if listeners haven't seen Victory Condition Gaming, go onto YouTube, have a look, there's loads of content, loads of different interviews, there'll be something for everyone, so go and have a look.
0: Cool, yes, I, I listened to that afterwards, I couldn't be there. To listen live because I was uh, in a field camping with my boy at Scouts <laughs> but I listened to it afterwards and that was a great little interview that was really good uh the other uh Kickstarter that finished well over a year ago is the one for yet another Swedish game uh from Ask for Gelm Western sorry Ask are you pronouncing it correctly yes with your Swedish wife Right. Okay. (laughs) To the rest of us, it's Aspergel. But anyway... To to English
1: people who don't try to pronounce things in Swedish. Anyway, carry on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Western, um, they've they've been releasing quite a few updates uh, to keep us all interested in the game on Kickstarter. And nothing is getting me any less excited than (laughs) I was before about this game. There was a lovely thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still intrigued. They released a cover which I think they're not going to use for a supplement on Santa Fe and New Mexico. And that was a cover by Martin Grip, Grip of Cymbaloo and Coriolis yeah. friend. And it looked lovely. I mean, all the art looks lovely. I don't want to criticise any of the other artists on Western, but the others were, if you like, mostly more photorealistic. And this was more in Martin Grip's uh, style, which yeah. I really like. And that got me very excited. But yes, everything I read about uh, Western in these updates is getting me really excited to play a game. Uh, recently, uh, with my group that meets midweek, we had a few episodes of Deadlands, the uh, the original, the, the non-Savage Worlds, or the pre-Savage Worlds version of Deadlands. And by God, I hate that system. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh. frankly, I I don't like... I don't see any need for westerns to have monsters in and other. Su- I think I think there's potential for some great haunted house episodes and things like that, maybe in a western. But really, I want to deal with the cruelty of other men. In yeah, the, I think the there's
1: a, there's there's definitely scope in that setting for you know slightly more supernatural stuff. But I I agree. I think if if you want to play Deadwood, there aren't there aren't any vampires or werewolves in Deadwood. Yeah. So it's, you know, like you say, it's about the evils that men do to one another uh, and women do to one another rather than, uh, more than more than that. And I read, I read, what was it called? Oh, I'm not going to remember now. Blood Meridian by Connor McCarthy. Um, if you haven't read mm-hmm. it, read it. And that's an account of a, a, a fellow who's down in on the border with Mexico uh, hunting Indians at the time of the Western and I think it's supposed to be gritty and I think it's supposed to be realistic. And oh, my God, that is a book that Oh, and you've got to watch some like funny kitten video afterwards just to stop yourself wanting to chuck yourself out of a window. <laughs> it's just so depressing. Brilliantly written, but it's, it, it's hard going. This is the
0: same author that did The Road.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, OK. And uh, um, yeah, he
0: doesn't he, he doesn't write books to give you a good time, does he?
1: No. And the other one that was made into film with um, Javier Bardas, the uh, No Country for Old Men. So ah, he wrote yes, that as course. well, yeah. yeah. So it's very, very yeah. Yeah. hard reading, but yeah, it's an experience that uh, it's worth doing because I've read them and it, and it's great. But you do need to cheer yourself up afterwards. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Western should be coming and landing on our doorsteps in the autumn, so I'm still really looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. No, that's excellent. The other thing that's coming. Are you looking forward to anything? Is Free League's uh, Forbidden Lands? I think the delivery date of that is still going to be June or July. So we're actually. I think
0: they may take a bit. longer. Away.
1: I know. I know they have said that they might take a bit longer, but I'm still thinking that actually we're in May now, so yeah. we're only weeks away rather than months. Even if they are a bit uh, a bit delayed from from their original schedule, and I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on on that. Uh, I can't. I can't wait. Actually, it's going to be great to uh, to see that finally finished. But I just thought. I'd yeah, I
0: think that. I tell you what. What is coming up very soon within the next week or so is the um, is the beta version. So a pre-proofreading PDF version of the whole of both volumes of that rule set. So, so far, we've had individual chapters or uh, numbers of chapters, uh, but this will be the whole thing. And there'll be lots of new information in there, I think, bits that we haven't seen before. Yeah. and And effectively, a properly playable game. I've already... Uh, had a version I did record it but it wasn't good enough to share um, so people have been playing it already but this will give you everything you need yeah to to run a game
1: yeah I like um, to wait to get the whole thing really rather than sort of jump off early I, I, I get that some people want to but I'd rather get the whole package and then sort of do it properly from the start
0: yeah but I think you know what's interesting is I do think they've taken feedback on board mm. over the yeah. alpha release that they have done and so I think it will be a little bit better for the fact that they have released us and some people have yes. have played and, and discovered things.
1: Yep, I I agree. Cool. Right, I think we'd better move on. Um, we spent quite a lot of time talking about World of Gaming today. So um, yeah. I think we can start looking a little bit into the review of the, of the, of the past year. And the first thing I wanted to do, um, if you'll indulge me, was um, give our listeners... A little sense of you know the professionalism that goes behind the scenes for uh, uh, for us producing podcasts, both the discussion ones and the actual play. And I've got a very short clip which is uh, we haven't put out before, which I think really gives the listeners a really great insight into uh, into how we go about business.
0: Right, let's listen to that. I'm a bit trepidatious, but let's <laughs> listen. <laughs> oh well, what the hell?
1: Jolly good. Okay. <clears throat> Here we are on uh, day. I thought you were going to clap first. <laughs> no, <that's good. laughs> well, I'm not going to clap. I'm <laughs> in the middle of two mics, am I? So it's better somebody up there. Okay, can you just do five equal, like standard claps? Five. Yeah.
0: Thank you. The middle one was a bit out there. Can you just do it again? I'm at there. the least pace. <laughs> yeah, what's my margin of error? Yeah. Yeah. same, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, so,
1: Matt, you were in the bet. Yes, we could make Tony look like a Tony dick. <laughs> <laughs> Without being
0: really
1: really Can,
0: can be we fun. just have five minutes of background noise, please? Not five Ten minutes. seconds. Five minutes
2: of yeah. background noise. Ten seconds of. Don't do us five minutes. okay. You're like <laughs> pretending like in, you know in the pub thing
0: about ah, back in conversation. Can we have ten seconds of no? I'm <laughs> <proper> a <laughs> fucking space. <silence. laughs> oh, wait. In fact, oh, actually, I'm just going to change my levels now because we're a bit loud when Tony laughs. Can you laugh again, Tony? I was gonna say something funny, am I? Might. Yeah, say something funny. Just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Your brother Dave has a large penis. <laughs> That's just disturbing. <laughs> yeah, funny. Look, look,
1: laugh. Why is the size of my penis large or small disturbing? That's just something I
0: don't want to think about. Really? Is it? Is it, my, it uh, yeah. I'm not sure why. It's okay. Today. Right now, can we have 10 seconds of silence? <clears throat> Stop it! We have to, every time you do that, we have to start again. You know. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: yeah, we will all here. we we'll here <laughs> all fucking
2: dead. <down> <laughs> right, everybody off the scaffolding. <laughs>
1: OK, let's, let's do 10 seconds of silence
0: now, yeah, shall we? we Shut up. Oh, my God. I didn't know you were going to do that particular <laughs> clip. So, uh, Well, there's so many to choose was... from that are like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Th- this was us uh, getting together to record uh, the Simba Room actual play, which is currently being serialised. Yep. And this was us round the table. Now, what part of the weekend was that? How drunk were we?
1: That was quite near the end. Um, I think we were quite drunk by then.
0: Um, was it morning or afternoon, though? Had we actually started drinking or were we just hung over from the previous night? I no, I think that one... No, that might have been morning and afternoon,
1: that one. Because we had lunch in the middle. So I, I guess it was probably yes. a 12 o'clock kick-off or something. So we might still have had slightly sore heads from the day before. Yeah. 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 That's our excuse, anyway. We were drunk.
0: That's it, yes. <laughs> well... I think you find it funnier than I do, but but yes, there's a little bit behind the scenes there. Uh That's not my favourite bit of what we've done, and uh, I'm going to kick off with one of the things I'm most proud of, actually, which is Samar's Hamam. I think it was uh, episode three, and that's my favourite bit because it was great to have inspired not just somebody to play the game, but uh, David... Uh, Reich Gold, who put together the gorgeous artwork, having uh, listened to it on the um, uh, on the podcast and then seen the rather crappy drawing that I'd put onto my blog post for people that wanted to look at the uh, the transcript afterwards. Yeah. So the fact that we did a, a thing that inspired somebody else to do something beautiful uh, <laughs> makes it very much my favourite part of, or one of my favourite bits of the last year.
1: Yeah, it was good, and uh, I used Samar in the Spectra Corsair campaign. and uh, it worked really nicely, and so they've now got the Hamamza as, as an oasis for them to go back to, should they uh, should they want to. Uh, no, I've got to uh, do those
0: oasis forms. The number yes, half written. Yes,
1: stuff. Do, well, I'm waiting for you to do that because I want to use it in uh, in my campaign because there are a number of places that the guys have now been to and left in in good terms. So they've got a number of OACs that I, I'm waiting for you to get your finger out, Matt, and write that blooming thing so I can use it, if okay. you don't mind.
0: Just as soon as I finish writing my PhD thesis. Uh, right yeah,
1: come and get your priorities straight, mate, will you? <laughs> yeah, okay. No, well, my, my favourite, not my, my favourite, one of my favourite moments was when we were playing Tales from the Loop. And it was kind of the culmination of a joke that was 30 years... In 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 brewing well, in developing, <laughs> so I've got a very I've got just like a, a minute's clip just to remind listeners or, or to show listeners who who haven't heard it before what's actually
0: happened. I don't my know mother. any good things about my Let mother. Let me tell you about my mother. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think my grandma who I live with is going to be my grandma. Um...
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, <laughs> that's so funny here. <laughs> that
1: with whom I live <laughs> not who I live with <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a not the nine Got news sketch <laughs> where it's going through all this stuff uh, and it's essay for <laughs> this student that they're talking through and they're, he's like yeah my grandma who I live with and the big joke at the end of it is not all that, it's these ridiculous essays it's it's with whom I live not who I live with <laughs> Uh, and then we just, we both
2: <laughs> we
0: both, just cool.
1: each, yeah. we both just caught each other's eye and that was that.
0: Uh. <laughs> anyway, my grandma, with whom I live. Why do I feel that you're just choosing clips to humiliate, humiliate me? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I watched a lot of nine o'clock news when I was a kid and I listened to a lot of recorded bits of nine o'clock news. There's sketches I can quote word from word. <laughs> I can even quote the sketches about people quoting Monty Python sketches that they did on Not Nine O'Clock News. (laughs) Yeah. Three or more gather together, then they Uh, shall perform the the parrot parrot sketch. sketch.
1: It has ceased to be. It is a
0: dead parrot. It has ceased to be. It has ceased to be. (laughs) Uh, Yes. But that is one sketch I could not remember. And when you two burst out laughing like that, I was thoroughly confused. And I think that made you laugh even harder. That
1: was the funniest thing, just to you... when, we got, when I got back from yours after that game, I just had to play that immediately when I got home. Just It was just so funny. And uh, it's just one of those jokes that, you know, like I said, it started 30 years ago when I first saw that sketch. And then when Tony and I just caught each other's eye at that moment and you were like going, what's going on? Ah, oh, blimey, that was just so funny. Um, but I think there is a serious point I'll make no, here. Uh, that happened whilst we were playing Tales from the Loop. I'd, I think one of the things that I have taken away from this year is I had some preconceptions about Tales from the Loop, about the impact the game might have if you weren't able to kill the kids, and I was wrong. We discussed this. Oh, you did. And I think just for me, that's a highlight, because I was wrong, and the game itself has such powerful elements of success and failure, and as... As players, I think you, you felt that tangible sense of risk and threat, even though you weren't going to get killed. And the game itself would be far worse and have far less impact if it wasn't for that very fact. So, may mea culpa me, but that was a really good eye-opening moment.
0: So this is you admitting you're wrong. I We are recording this, aren't we? <laughs> yes, I'm just checking. We I are do, I do right. admit
1: that I'm wrong occasionally when I'm wrong, but it just happens so rarely that, uh, you <laughs> know... <laughs>
0: Well, and this is but also implicitly you're admitting that I'm right because I remember us on this very podcast, some episodes ago, I can't remember when, saying that the fact you couldn't kill kids was probably a good thing and uh you were trying to prove me wrong, so great. Yeah. I, I, I'm
1: I'm quite I'm quite happy to to admit that when on the rare occasion when I'm wrong on you're right, then you know that's fine. You you were right on this occasion. <laughs>
2: I, I was well done. I remember well you done, you. even
0: being reluctant to run this game. Um, I can't remember exactly how we ended up recording that, but we we decided to run it partly because of other things happening. I think handy or wasn't able to make a, yeah. a regular session or something like that, that was your idea um, to, to, for me to run it. you took a little bit of persuading to run it uh but you did run it and now you want to run the rest hmm. indeed and i'm very disappointed
1: that a week and a bit from now we might not be able to run it because you've got some blooming royal party to go to
0: <sighs> well there you go i'm not i'm hastily add i'm not going to buckingham palace so you
1: and your or, highfalutin uh, contacts you know rubbing shoulders with the royals mate <laughs> i mean it's just outrageous <laughs> Anyway, it's um... a
0: local celebration.
1: Anyway, um... (laughs) so I think we'll we'll say a little bit more a bit later on about some of our other favourite moments throughout from the year, but we actually have a proper bit of Coriolis content to talk about, and uh, I want to invite you, Matthew, to talk a bit about your How to Play segment around group concepts in Coriolis.
0: Yeah, well, just to introduce it a little bit, uh, we're, we're going to try this. We hope we've got a whole bunch of new listeners this year, what with the... Many um, international versions of uh, Coriolis that have been produced in different parts of Europe, and also, of course, hopefully some new some new listeners from the recent Kickstarter for the emissary lost campaign.
1: So, and maybe hopefully from uh, Victory Condition Gaming as well, with a bit of luck as well,
0: and from Victory Condition Gaming, yep, yeah, uh, from Doug there. So, uh, go Doug. If you haven't had a chance to play Coriolis yet, we thought it might be fun to talk about you know, how some of the rules works. And to begin with, I thought it'd be interesting to focus on a a thing that is, you can't really have relatively unique, a thing is unique or not. (laughs) But this, I think, is the only game where I've seen this idea that you build your group before you build your characters. So let's listen to me talking about group concepts. A few weeks ago, listener Lupex raised an interesting question on Freer Legan's forum. Lupex's group were about to start a campaign with three pre published scenarios the one in the core book, The Statuette of Tsar, Dark Flowers from the Quick Start Rules, and the standalone adventure, The Dying Ship. One of their questions was are there any group concepts that wouldn't work with these scenarios? The group concept may well be a new concept to players coming from most other games. Back in the day, you'd create your D&D chaotic evil drow, and everyone else would bring their lawful good paladins to the table, and the dungeon master would say, you'll meet in a tavern. Things have got better since then. Systems encourage players to create their own characters together, and some, like Fate, and the latest edition of Unknown Armies, for example, also encouraged the players to create the world of their game in a session zero. Coriolis doesn't go that far, and let's face it, part of the appeal of the game is the world itself, or worlds I should say, the third horizon. It's a rich setting, with a legacy of detail built up by previous editions of the game in Swedish. At the same time, it's a setting rich in possibilities. Just the other night, a fellow gamer, Tom, expressed an interest in him playing a campaign based around Zelossian Inquisitors, which sounded to another member of the group like the Warhammer 40k game Dark Heresy. At the same time, my group are playing bounty hunters. Others are playing Firefly-style criminals and traders, and I'm sure somewhere out there, somebody is playing a touring rock band. This is what lies behind the group concepts rule. It helps players decide from among the infinite stories available in the third horizon what style of game they are going to play. There are five group concepts in the game. Agents, Mercenaries, Free Traders, Pilgrims and Explorers. But these names aren't that important. The description of each group concepts includes three other names that you could apply that might be closer To what you all want to play. So, free traders could instead be bulk haulers, smugglers, or couriers, for example. And you don't even need to limit yourself to those names. When my players chose to be bounty hunters, the agents concept, which in the book could also be judicators, assassins, or detectives, was the obvious one to choose. So, as I said earlier, the group concept is a way for the group to negotiate and agree upon the style of game that they want to play. And I think it's a useful tool for GMs when they're deciding how to frame an adventure. Obviously, it can inform the content of the adventure. If you choose mercenaries, you can expect lots of Warzone adventures. But as I replied to Lupex, I don't think any group concept precludes any of the adventures so far published. Let's face it. All the adventures do, really, is describe a situation. The problem the people involved, and some events that may happen beyond the character's control. What happens in the game is entirely up to how the characters act. What the group concept does is suggest to the GM the tone the players are looking for, and a prediction as to how they might deal with the situation. So, as a thought experiment, I decided to imagine how I would GM one of the pre-published adventures for each group concept. I chose Dark Flowers, the quick-start adventure, because that comes with pre-generated characters, which, we might assume, means the adventure is written specifically for those characters, or vice versa. I guess the first question is, what sort of group concept do the pre-generated characters share? They are portrayed as free traders, taking a diversion from a simple job in the Dabaran system to earn a quick buck. But the archaeologist ship's captain suggests that they might actually be explorers. This is confirmed by the group talent they share. They are truth seekers. So let's start with those two concepts. As it's written, free traders are the easiest to adapt it to. Being a quick start adventure, it starts in media res, the contracting already done. But if you were a GM slotting it into an existing campaign, you might well take the same route the adventure does sending them a message while they are en route to a more boring trade mission. With the Firefly role-playing game, I always had great fun thinking of weird cargoes that needed transport. Bees, for example. Alternatively, you could start them off from a local spaceport, with a contact giving them details of the rediscovery of a new foodstuff. The first crew to get it to Dabaran would be so rich they never had to work again. But another ship, the Shamza, is already on its way. Explorers, on the other hand, might get sent to Dabaran from further away. The Foundation, looking through historic archives, has discovered something interesting. References to a pre-Zenithian science mission. The first come appear to have forgotten it, or speak of it only as a legend. Even though the first come science could never match Zenithian expertise, they may have stumbled onto something the Foundation can make use of. Whether or not the Foundation reveal that they have already sent another ship to the station and have not heard from them depends upon the whims of the GM. Mercenaries might be briefed in a very particular way. It's a search and retrieval mission. The danger is implicit. Perhaps it's a mission to rescue the crew of the Shamsa. Perhaps it's to recover a technology that may help your side in whatever local conflict your unit are involved in. Either way... They go in armed and wary because they are professionals, not idiots. The client's or commanding officer is efficient and speaks in clipped tones, very matter-of-fact, and the briefing may include maps and other decades-old intel. If they are pilgrims, the client or contact is more obviously spiritual. He sells the quest as an opportunity to fulfil a prophecy, to do the work of the icons and bring mana to the people. The growth might indeed feel like Eden at first, a promised fruitful land. But is it corrupted, rotten at the core? Of course, if they are Zelossian, it's probably heretical. They may have been instructed to bring a sample back for the Order's Black Library, but ensure that the rest is destroyed. Agents might come into the adventure knowing the least of all the concepts. Perhaps they're charged with investigating the mystery of the Shamsa, What happened? Whose fault was it? Or maybe they're simply tracking down one of its crew. Whichever it is, their adventure will revolve more around the discovery and interpretation of clues before they even get to the station. So you can see that each group concept works like the lens on an SLR camera, or for our younger listeners, an Instagram filter. It changes the feel without necessarily changing the facts of the adventure. A great example is the Alien movies. The facts of each story are pretty much the same. Aliens that bleed acid want to eat you. But each film has a different tone because a different group concept is used. In Coriolis terms, free traders in Alien. Okay, not free so much. They're a corporate crew. So maybe bulk haulers is a better way of describing them. Mercenaries in Aliens. Again, not actually mercenaries, but state-sponsored colonial marines, what the Coriolis rulebook calls a tactical team. And pilgrims in the third one. Okay, okay, they aren't actually going anywhere, it being a prison planet and all. So, not really pilgrims, but, but you get my point. Actually, that's another point, this time for players. When choosing your concept, don't simply choose the name. Read about each concept first. Think about what each one means for your style of play. Your final choice may surprise you.
1: Good discussion,
0: Matt. I, I, I did initially
1: twig on the the fact that your players are talking about wanting to be Zelosian Inquisitors. So, do you mean that they want to play Witchsmellers from the Covenstead on
0: Focas? Um, well, maybe I haven't given them that option yet because actually, <laughs> it's only one player. That's expressed that. Right, um, right, okay. Uh, th- yeah. th- this came out. We, we we're planning, or we were planning, on playing in a couple of weeks' time, uh, a one shot of Feng Shui. And then, as two of us walked back to the station from the shop where we game, uh, the game shop in Aldershot, uh, we got talking about Coriolis, and this idea formed, which um, we've we've just started to share with the other players, but we haven't had mm-hmm. a proper discussion yet. So, uh, yeah, maybe a witch smeller is is what he wants to be Cool. And in which case I'll have to direct him to uh, that episode, he is a listener but I don't think he's listened to every episode and we have to see what the others want
1: But no, really interesting discussion about the group concept, so I, I think I think other games or, or, or player groups do do this informally so, mm. I mean if you look about uh, I mean, the games that we play for example, um, Simba Room okay, you haven't got a group concept but you've got what the group concept gives you, which is a common objective, some common principles, things that bind your group, <laughs> things that binds the world together. I sound like Obi Wan Kenobi, and similar with Pendragon. You've got characters that've all got something similar, but I I think the real power of the the group concept sort of came out really clearly for me when I was working on the trade in the horizon discussion, because I was I was saying that you know if you want to play free traders. Don't just take the title of, ah, we're traders, hurrah. Take a bit of time and effort to really dig into what your background is. And that's what the group concept does, I think, you know, really, really well.
0: Yeah, I think key thing is almost, what well, I thought actually as I was writing it and, and thinking about aliens is actually how you shouldn't just pick up the concept and say, oh, you know, I like that particular group talent. Let's have that concept because then we all get that power. Yeah. Uh, or oh, let's be mercenaries without necessarily thinking about some of the deeper of that. So you know, yeah, because it will obviously where do drive we want to fight. You know, yeah. Do cause... we want to be mercenaries on Zalos? b fighting against the Zalosians. Do we want to have them on the Rimwood, we- Reach? Uh, Rimwood <laughs> the, Reach? The Rimwood Reach now is the Reach. <laughs> Yeah, the Rimwood Reach. Rimwood Reach. Um, do do you know? Do, or do we want to have them in Odicon or wherever? Yeah. Uh, I think I think the players have to the... be quite
1: careful, actually, about choosing their group concept, because if the if the if the games master takes it kind of literally, he or she will be creating scenarios that uh, fulfil the the requirements of that concept. So if you don't want mm. to be mercenaries, you know, going on combat missions, um, then you have to be quite careful not to choose mercenary, I guess, because otherwise, uh, you know, you could easily have. a a, a group who has a concept that you then go and do stuff that is totally unrelated to that concept. It's one of the things I found with the free traders, you know, you, you, you take the concept, but then you go off and do a mission that is absolutely nothing to do with being a trader, which I think is a real risk and has been a risk in, in my campaign.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think in a way, you know, we're we're coming to an interesting point in my campaign because of course you are bounty hunters. You're now in prison there's almost a bit where we might be renegotiating what the group concept is. (laughs) Uh, You know, do you want to come out of prison? Obviously, I'm not going to leave you in prison forever. Um, I have got a way of getting you out of prison. But when you come out, you know, do you want to be bounty hunters again or fugitives? I mean, it's, you know, both of those are playable. We can, you know, we can get you back into being a bounty hunter if that's what you want to do. But Mm. it's an opportunity to actually say, are you know? Are we sure we're following? These are the sort of adventures we want we want to have. Still, I quite have like we moved on to another form of yeah.
1: And listening, you say talking about that, I think that is the there's an idea that's come out there that uh, hadn't really thought about before, and I don't think it's in the book. But you know, being allowed to evolve your group concept. So yeah, we're bounty hunters. So presumably, if we get to the point where we can't pick up bounties because we're wanted by the law and we've escaped from prison. Well, we can't really be bounty hunters anymore, so the group concept falls yeah. apart a bit. So maybe you know there's there's a there's an element, you know, a bit like the way you can change your personal problem, if it fits narratively, then you should be able to change your your group concept, uh, in that sense. Although having said that, I really like the group concept that we've got, which is the friend in every port, because that again really allows some interesting narrative player creativity to come up with you know an interesting way out of a particular problem which has worked really well i think in your campaign
0: yeah so you know that 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 is a key thing isn't it it's like um if you were to change your concept would you have to change your group talent
1: i think you probably not? would wouldn't yeah. you because i guess the, the 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 group talent comes from your no, oh, no, I'm going to, okay. Maybe I'm going to argue against myself here. So, I was going to say that group talent comes from your background and your history, but if that's the case, that talent would still be there, particularly that one where it's all about contacts from your previous lives.
0: But the alternative point of view would be that that talent is there to encourage a particular style of play, yeah. So- in an investigative mode as you are when you're being uh, bounty hunters or agents as the concept's called then having contacts who might have a clue for you wherever you are uh, whatever mystery you're investigating is a useful thing yes but if you were say mercenaries and your group concept was about charging into battle sorry, your your group talent was about charging into battle then that encourages a different style of play. Yeah. actually it was really interesting. I I was, uh, we failed to get a online play-by-post campaign off the ground a few months ago. After some initial interest, we, we were generating characters. And of course, the first question we started with were group concepts. I can't remember what I particularly wanted to be, but I was kind of outvoted and we were, People wanted to be mercenaries, and that was cool. So you know, I I created a mercenary character. Uh, I was into the um, the Weeping Matriarchy, so I created one of those hard armored <laughs> Weeping Matriarch soldiers that yeah. you uh, did did uh, <laughs> had so much damage done to by uh, for for that campaign. But then one of the reasons why you know actually it all started to fall apart before we actually started playing a game was then people were talking about the sort of missions they wanted to do and they were more like agent missions yes. rather than military ones. But they didn't want to let go of the the thing that was about charging into battle. And um you know, I, I must admit I lost interest, but I think every you know everybody kinda of lost interest because we hadn't really agreed on the style of game we wanted to play.
1: No. I think the the question of whether the group talent should change or not would probably have to be decided by the group and the GM at that time and depending on how yeah. the, kind of the narrative direction would take you that would be whether you decide to take it or not so thinking about if we then let's say we became mercenaries rather than bounty hunters we suddenly get the ability to run into combat more effectively I'm not sure that feels really Sensible, really sensible, (laughs) and we suddenly lose all these contacts that we had as bounty hunters. That doesn't seem really sensible either. But there might be things in there that would be more sensible. So, there might be something I haven't got the book open at the moment, but there could be something, let's say, if you were a pilgrim that gives gives you a a group talent that is much more pilgrim based or or, uh, you know, revering the icons based, then that might be funny enough. That might be a really sensible thing to take if you were going to change, you know, that
0: might be the sort of option you'd choose for, yeah. Uh, you choose for your group I should say you know because of your character's interest in the the Nazarene sacrifice yeah. uh, you know may, maybe maybe you do come out of prison and go on a more spiritual exploration than the uh, you know the, the the workaday job you've had of tracking down fugitives I wonder how that would play with Andy though I think
1: that might mean that either Either Salem or you know, Sa- I think, or as you Yaffa, say, it's going to be a
0: thing that's going to be discussed by the whole group, hasn't yeah. it? But that that could be the possibility. You know, that, I think it's more likely than you saying, "Let's become mercenaries" and suddenly work out how to do um, covering fire. <laughs> um, if we become pilgrims, there may be something that's more appropriate to that new style of play that we are all of us choosing to do because we feel that's narratively right.
1: Yeah, interesting. There isn't a group. Concept of fugitive. There is obviously the character concept of fugitive, but not group. So you could make one and then have talents there that are about staying under the radar uh, or avoiding the attention of the authorities.
0: I think it sort of fits within the pilgrim talent, actually, or oh, the pilgrim group concept.
1: You've got the Mercy That's of the cool. Icons group talent. I've opened up the book to the right page now. Right. So you've got that. That's the only one that really, I think, really would apply. In our particular circumstance. Yeah. But no, that's interesting. I think there's one thing, I, one reflection I was just also going to make around, based on my campaign. So my group are obviously traders. They are trading their way across the third horizon. But their overall campaign objective isn't a trader objective. So they've got to go and find and bring back Resim Aldair. That's much more of an agent kind of uh, you know overarching mission but they are doing it in a free trader kind of way because they're having to pay their way across, across the horizon. It's almost as if their free trader side of their, uh, of their persona
0: is kind of the cover for the actual mission. Um, yeah, and, and so s- it can be. But, but in a way, you know that, that is the agreement, the social contract that you have all agreed on is, for example... You know, your choice to make them plod their way across the horizon to get to the target, having adventures at each time because they needed to pay for their fuel and keep their ship repaired, etc. That's what they signed up for when they became uh, traders. Yes. And arguably, although I think I made the wrong decision, actually, in, in our last campaign where, you know, I hand waved your journey across to Mira, I hand wave it hand-waved it partly because you guys are agents and so that's not that plodding across the the horizon isn't part of what you might consider an agent story would be
3: no you know if no. you think
0: about james bond he just arrives in russia or <laughs> uh the caribbean or wherever he needs to be so um that you know that that's part of my decision making process it although, does make a lot know, of sense I'm not convinced yeah. it was the right one
1: yeah well i think i think on that on that i think if there was something useful to do because otherwise you'd end up uh, potentially it being a bit of a you know like George R. R R Martin in Game of Thrones which I really like and I've enjoyed the books and I've read them all but there are long tracks where it says they get up they brush their teeth they have some breakfast they go out <laughs> and get the horse they ride to the next inn they have a beer and they go to bed and I, oh, for God's sake just move them on you know so I think well you know the more
0: words he writes the bigger the book and the higher price point
1: I know, you can't need more money though now, surely, after everything else. You must be rolling in cash. But anyway, that's, that's beside the point. But no, I thought that was a really interesting uh, discussion there, Matthew. And thank you for that. And I look forward to finding out what Yafet's new, uh, new group talent's going to be and what new group <laughs> option we're going to have.
0: Well, let's discuss this. Let's, let's not make our minds up here and now. Let's wait until the group's together mm-hmm. and until you've played out the next scenario. Happens, for all yeah. we know, you're going to be dead. quite possibly yeah yes and there isn't a zombie group talent for that we will have to move uh to the white wolf games (laughs) (laughs) um yeah right now where are we we are talking about our favorite bits of the previous year and i was just thinking over the year we've done quite a lot of work
1: in in putting out new talents and i just wondered whether it would be worthwhile having a brief chat about which we, you and I, thought were our favourites that we've produced over the year. And obviously, if the if our listeners wanted to chip in um on G Plus or anywhere else about ones they particularly liked or didn't like, then that would be really cool. Uh, it'd be great to get that kind of feedback. But I'm going to kick off with the one that I think is my favourite, which was... No,
0: I-, I don't want you to kick off. I want to go first, mine, <laughs> I think... Let, let let me go with mine because uh, i it's a great idea i like this idea but i honestly for the most part can't choose a favorite talent of the year because although we've written a lot of them we haven't actually played no, that's most true. of
1: them that's true so
0: by default my favorite talent of the year is the only one that a player has taken up and we have used <sighs> in combat and that is Andy Gibbs's uh, hardened epidermis talent.
1: Well, and Tony, because he's, he's using that talent as well for his uh, humanite. Oh, of course, yeah.
0: So that's now been tested in two different campaigns, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. So that's definitely my favourite. I, I, I mean, you might have some thoughts that you want to explore more, but I, I, I'm putting that to the wall. That I think that's a
1: favorite. really... But Fair thing to say. None of them have been played. I think the my favourite one was just possibly my favourite for a couple of reasons. One, the way it appeared, the way I, the, the idea came to mind. And two, the fact that although I haven't taken it yet, I will take it with Yafet when I get the chance, when he's not lying in a hospital, uh, a prison hospital somewhere. Uh, and that was, yeah. this is my ship. There are many like it, but this one is mine. And the idea for that came up in the first actual play bottle scenario that we recorded um, when we were in uh, when we were in Portal Space on board Mukfar and it was Mm -hmm. I remember the moment when when I said something like uh, well I know this ship like the back of my hand I built the damn thing surely I should be able to find out such and such and you gave me a bonus so that's yeah I think I also enjoyed doing that one uh, for the podcast as well it was quite fun reading that one out and doing a bit of a, a retro reminder of a full metal jacket.
0: No, that was a good thing to listen to. So um, so yeah, I uh, in terms of ones we haven't played and properly tested, that could well stand as the best one we've done. Of course, everything we've done has come out of play in some way, whether it's an idea that somebody's had, or an idea that we've had, but didn't explore in play. But yeah, the real challenge is actually getting to getting to take them up you know that's one you know you want yeah but you've spent your experience points on other stuff and frankly mm. we just don't play enough no that's a pity. <laughs> my campaign I mean,
1: I mean having said that there are a couple others of those out out in play so icon site the one that i created um as oh yeah one of my void talents dean plays Osgar. he has that talent he he took it partly because it was our explanation of how he joined the crew because he he stowed away and then they did a portal jump and he survived the portal jump but he has used it on a couple of c- occasions for good dramatic effect so that's that's quite a good one i quite like that one as well even though it does potentially limit you know you have to limit its use a little bit because you don't want players running around in portal space all the time but uh, that's one that, another one that has actually been played by a player
0: that that is true in yeah. anger
1: yeah cool so cool. um, what's your second favourite thing then, Matt? So we talked about uh, Samar's Hammam earlier. Have you got something else that's a particular favourite memory?
0: Well, funny enough, actually, you've already brought it up in a way. Uh, your your previous favourite bit was from an actual play, but it was nothing at all to do with the game. <laughs> my My second favourite bit is from one of our actual plays. In fact, from our first, which was the episode you were talking about, wherein you had the idea of the the ship is mine talent. Now, if you remember, you guys were trapped in portal space, dealing with a creature in, in there, and the paranoia worked really well on that. <laughs> I, I, I very much enjoyed uh, how you were playing that, so much so that uh, Tony didn't trust you enough to get into the stasis bed after you'd fixed everything and you tried to persuade him to do so, and using the mechanics of the rules, you didn't quite get enough of a success, so he could demand something from you. Yeah. And he demanded your forgiveness for his dark (laughs) secret.
1: Yes, I mean, that was so well played by Tony. Um, That was, yeah, that was a great, that's one of my favourite moments of the year
0: as well. I mean, you know, everything came to part there. You know, the game mechanics created a story moment that wasn't simply about rolling the dice. I mean, yes, yeah, dice were rolled, but the result of the dice actually made the story moment. Uh, and of course, that might have been glossed over, were it not for two great role players doing the role playing of the dice uh, and realising that this was a moment when they could have some emotional impact as well. So that made a really good emotional story. And I, you know, to be fair, I think that's still one of the favourite actual play stories that we've put out despite it being the first and us eating Pringles all the way through it <laughs> <laughs> for that moment, you know, that yeah. really deep emotional moment I think is when you know that role playing comes to life so uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's my favourite bit. And,
1: uh, well, just let's just play a little snippet of, of that moment I think we ought to get into stasis Yeah, me too <laughs> <laughs> So what was it about that Deborah and woman then? Once
2: we're out of this place, brother, we need to sit down and have a little chat. <laughs> that sounds. <laughs> but this is not the Revealing. place. This is not the place to have that chat. Okay, I resisted though the, the right. thing. So yeah. yeah,
1: right. Here, let me put you into stasis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I. Oh God. <laughs> Deep freeze. <laughs> You're with. <laughs> is he putting you into stasis, or is he putting you down?
2: Wits, just wits, yes.
1: yeah. I think he's determined we could have a fight oh. <laughs> <laughs> So uh,
2: <sighs> what, are you uh, what are you doing? What are you what are you touching that paddle for,
0: brother? <laughs> what are you doing with that? that so awesome. you don't trust him to put you I'm asleep. putting you to sleep, brother, don't worry. No, you don't want him to put you to sleep. You can put yourself to sleep. Yeah, you I can it's automated. I, you... I
2: you know I know enough to it's fine, I'll do it myself.
0: We need you to think he ought to go in
1: first. We need to we need to re redefine this re- reprogram it to the to the jump because of the
2: cause of the errors. Well, it doesn't matter if you are staying a bit longer than normal. That's fine. It that doesn't matter. That's fine. But I can do it. It's, it's fine. Go, I need to, to get I, I
1: need to do it so it's safe because if if, if if it goes wrong, you should go first. If it goes wrong, then uh, you might wake up early again, and you don't want that.
2: No, you want to wake up late, isn't it? Because it's going to be.
1: Can I try a manipulation on him? You can try and convince him. Because I'm, I'm doing this for the, all the right reasons, because I've only got three, but
0: well, it's my empathy. I've
2: only got two, sorry.
0: This might anger you, I seem to remember. <laughs> so, both of you roll your dice. Three sixes. Three sixes. <laughs> One six. Um... <laughs>
2: It's all right. Just oh, all right. Okay. Okay. It's okay. okay. Okay.
1: I trust. I trust you, not the voice of my head.
2: This is, this is yeah, about persuasion
0: can, rather
1: than manipulation.
0: You can ask him something. It's only a. It was only a two. Your opponent must make a choice: either do as you want or attack you physically right now. If you, if she agrees, she can demand something of you in return. So you can demand something of Yafet in return.
1: Even, even though I beat him so yeah. comprehensively.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He got one. You got three, so you only got two, which is limited success. <clears throat>
1: or you can punch me, or you can just go along with it.
2: Oh, I can say, okay, I'll go in, but when we come out at the other end, you promise me, when I explain what's been happening, you won't think of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nicely played. <laughs> of course, I, you're my brother, why would I ever think badly of you? Anyway, it stays <laughs> <laughs> that's nice that's
0: good yeah that still has the it still has that emotional power even listening to that little bit i think still works for me
1: it was a great a great gaming moment it really was yeah um another great moment i think for for this year well i have to mention our 36 hours in sweden back in november so that was clearly an enormous highlight probably you know it the highlight of the year for me so here we are uh you know podcasting now we this is our and you know our anniversary podcast it's a year never having podcasted before never having really pushed pushed myself or ourselves so far into the gaming community cuz you know obviously you, you put out these kind of things and you know you might be rubbish you might be useless you might just get people ignoring you or, or worse, you know, <laughs> telling you how shit you are. And so to have landed so well and then have got such a fabulous welcome from both the Free League and, and the Jan Ringen guys in Sweden was, you know, it's almost like kind of a real introduction into the industry a little bit. And it mm. just felt really good. And we had such a great time. Only we've thanked the guys, the guys from Sweden enough times already. But it was a pivotal moment, I think, for me in really thinking there is something we can add here, and there are people who think we've got something worth listening to, you know, opinions that are, are worth saying out loud. So, just again, you know, it was a fabulous, fabulous trip. Uh, I would, I'm would, i going to put out a little kind of, a uh, little nudge, a little suggestion here. So, I think, I'd always hoped that we would go back again, you know, maybe, you know, within the year. So, uh, we haven't made any plans, I haven't spoken to the guys at all about it yet. But a few weeks ago, or a bit longer ago, on G Plus, Ricard and I had a very brief conversation where he was asking how my work on sort of professionalizing uh, the production of my thing scenario uh,
0: Tango Tango eighty two you mean
1: Tango Tango eighty two yeah how that was going that's the
0: one without the IP attached
1: it is you know well indeed yes <laughs> uh, when I said the thing I meant I was you know I was struggling not the thing it was uh, the thing <laughs> what thing was that the thing what you had written. Yes. <laughs> Tango Tango 82. And I, and I sort of cheekily suggested, well, aren't you? we'll come over and play it when it's done. And he went, brilliant. So I don't know if you meant it. I don't know if we can entice Nils, Costa, uh, obviously Ricard, Matthias, Martin, Matthias, anybody else. But there's an offer there for me to come over mm-hmm. and run the game with the guys and maybe record it for the podcast. Just if if they're interested, let us know. You know how to find us. I would be delighted to do that. That'd be great.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I agree with everything you've said. Actually, the fact that we've been so warmly welcomed into the community—I mean, it's uh, it's partly, I think, what the community is all about. You know, it is. We all share an interest, and so I think we are all generally very welcoming to each other. Uh, but you know, I I keep an eye on our our figures. We're just nudging, according to Feedburner. I don't know how it calculates this, to be <laughs> honest, but we're just nudging four hundred subscribers and that frankly the idea that there are brilliant. 400 I mean... people out there who who want to regularly listen to us rabbit on <laughs> oh, no. uh, a, a game mean, I mean, a bloody. game that let's face it is the niche of a niche of a niche of a game uh, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is is really special it is uh, and it that is. The, that these people are from all around the world uh in the last episode I you know I I made a crack about our new German listeners but of course as was rightly pointed out on a comment on my blog you know we've had German listeners at least since episode 3 and the idea that there are all these people all around the world listening to what we're interested in talking about and then that the the actual game creators who are brilliantly it turns out people like us as well I who know. just got off their asses and created games yeah um is and they're so welcoming yeah you're right that's a real special treat yeah. and it would be great to do something with them again now i'm just reminded of that uh of course one of the places we could do it would be uh, potentially gothcon next easter which is their uh, the swedes big sort of science fiction and gaming convention yep. not gothcon in the, uh you have to be signed up players of vampire the masquerade but rather uh, goth <laughs> yeah. as in gothenburg in, yeah Gothenburg. And is that the right way to pronounce it, Dave? I, I'm nervous to say anything Swedish. I think now,
1: Gothenburg's yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I'll, I'll let you know. If I get offended on Jenny's behalf about, you know, Swedish pronunciation, I'll let you know. Don't worry. You will point it <laughs> out. Yeah.
0: So there's that. And, and I think. I don't think they're able to make it to UK Gaming Expo this year, and I know I can't because, in fact, I'm in Amsterdam. But um, I think Matthias Jonsen
1: they... is going to be there from Yanderegan. I don't know if anybody else from Yanderegan will be there. I'm hoping to make it. I've still got some domestic stuff to sort out, but I'm hoping to get up there and uh, and enjoy the uh, you know the delights of uh, of the Games
0: Expo. Brilliant. And to fly, of course, the Coriolis effect flag and get us even more listeners. I need 500 subscribers. <laughs> well, 400 uh, is blind. I mean, that, that's,
1: that's kind of 401 more than I expected, frankly. Frankly, you know, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It's just brilliant. So thanks to absolutely everybody who's ever taken the time to, to listen to any of our drivel. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a delight. Right. I think we probably need to move on a little bit, though. So we've got a couple of things left for the rest of the program one is uh, yes a, a a brief spectral corsair update which i shall come to in a moment and then after that we've got our spectral corsair
0: special of players in the hammam brilliant yeah so tell us that you 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 stopped yourself in the last episode giving too much away about the final scenario So yes. tell us what happened
1: so if you'll recall, they'd just had a big fight with Alina and they'd realised that she was actually a witch smeller and would have been working against them all this time. And the fight in Calumet City on this planet called Sharma in Odicon caused a big stir. So this city is supposed to be a, a location of truce and clearly that truce had been broken. But they were let off, in effect, by the triumvirs because it was clear that she was a witch smeller and they obviously hate Zolotian witch smellers. And she was the aggressor. So they they weren't in any particular trouble on on the city. One of the triumvirs came to talk to them. And he was basically explaining that they were okay. But he also was able to fill out some of the history um, about Resim. And why it might be not very safe to talk openly about Resim Aldair in this city. And he told them that Resim had arrived in Odicon a year before. And had approached the triumvirate to seek permission to run salvaging operations. The triumvirate, though, had said no. But this particular triumvir, called Bubigar Tamar, had made a secret covert deal with him to, to allow him to go and, uh, and, and run these missions. The other triumvirs learned of this, and they chased him down, sent a detachment to stop him, and he was found near the Ash Belt, in orbit around Odicon's binary black hole, called Rayeb, and they left him there for dead. And he was then forgotten, for months, until he suddenly reappeared in Calumet, selling portal builder artefacts and relics. The triumvirs clearly couldn't let Resim operate unchallenged, because they'd spread the story of Resim's defeat and his death as a warning against others who might want to go and loot the system without their permission. But they couldn't kill him on Sharma because of the truce, so again they sent a detachment after him as he departed the planet, but this time the detachment sent to kill him never ever returned. So with this information, Hanbal and the crew still decided to go with Abdelakar, who uh, was uh, Resim's man, um, to go and meet Resim. So they they took this, but they didn't really seem to worry about it too much. Nonetheless, they went with Abdelakar, being taken to a base deep inside an asteroid in the Ash Belt, with the Corsair safely tucked up in the hangar bay of a Class 5 salvaging ship that they were being escorted upon. Now, this part of the scenario, they had, they had quite a lot of clues, which should possibly have set some bells, uh, some alarms ringing. So Khan Fassar, which is this ship, this salvage ship, uh, the design was similar to ships of the Second Horizon at the time of the Portal Wars. The, the crew on the ship that they, actually, they, they got to see, because they were, they were kept in a very small area of the ship, were badly scarred and wounded, and obviously were very badly treated by the officers. And then as they were approaching the asteroid, they could see a portal. One that was totally unknown, never seen before, orbiting along with the asteroid in the ash belt. And they asked Abdelakar about this. And he told them that he and Resim were working to try and understand the portal and to revitalise it. So again, they didn't really, they sort of sh- like shrugged their shoulders and went, OK, let's, let's go and see Resim. So they were taken inside this asteroid Resim's base was deep inside this asteroid and they were taken down to meet him and when they finally met him, after having all these journeys, all this trouble, all this travel, they they finally met him and he was a cyborg clearly battered very, very beaten up badly wounded, scars all over him more machine than man really, and they presented Shikoba to him and To their surprise, Resim said, that cat isn't mine. He said, said, it's my daughter's and its presence here I can only interpret to be a threat from Jubal through you against me. So you're threatening my daughter. And he's then said that also the fact that you brought the witch smeller Alina almost to his door made him question their motives. They were in what was effectively an auditorium, like an amphitheatre, inside, mm. uh, inside this asteroid. And there were a lot of entourage people there. Uh, Abdel was there. It was all very threatening. And it started to dawn on them that they might have walked themselves into a bit of a bad situation. Resim said, I've got no reason to trust you. But to start building trust, I need you to kill the cat immediately. Do it now. And the group sort of split in two halves. Half of them went, yeah, okay, <laughs> let's kill the cat. The other half were like, hang on, no, what? this is just really mad. Why Why would we want to kill the cat? But clearly they were starting to worry about, you know, had Jubal been playing them from the start? Had <laughs> Jubal known that Alina was a witch smeller? Were they just some pawns in a much bigger game that they were about to be, you know, as you said, Matt, in previous episodes, you know, crushed under the wheels of the of the factions. Yeah. Abdelkar also had seen that Resim had changed a lot since he'd been away, was shocked by the transformation. And obviously Hanbel and the crew were his friends. They'd saved his life uh, in Kalimet City. So he, he felt that a pathetic death in this place wasn't for them, that wasn't acceptable. And so quite quickly, the crew decided, all right, we want to get out of here. And it started be- to become a bit of a fight. They all focused on Resim, and Resim was hit very badly quite early on. But he called forth a creature from, from the dark, uh, an enormous Bayara that tore through the drapes that were on one side of this large auditorium and came for them. But it was too late for Resim. He was dead. They killed him. They grabbed his body and started to beat to retreat back to Spectral Corsair. And that was where we got to before we had to pack up and leave the pub because we were kicked out. And that's' know oh, and that's where we'll pick up on next Wednesday to see how how they get out of the, out of out of this particular problem
0: uh, I thought this was going to be the the last session of the campaign
1: it was supposed to be it was supposed to be because i'd I, I'd planned largely the whole scenario to be that end encounter, but we took a lot lot longer getting from the planet to the asteroid than I'd anticipated, and I could probably have as you say, hand-waved some of that a little bit, but I didn't. They wanted to explore the ship, so they did a bit of covert um, scouting on board the ship, which took up quite a bit of time. So we ended up running out of time. But next week will definitely be the ending of this part of the of the campaign. But I was surprised that they, they, they didn't pick up any of the clues. They just seemed to shrug their shoulders at everything I was saying about Resim being a bad guy, about the ship itself being a a second horizon design, finding a portal that they were trying to reopen. Come mm-hmm. on, guys, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> no. I also thought that they might, if they recognised that, you know, recognised early enough that these guys were actually Nazarene's sacrifice, which is what they are. I also considered the possibility that this could become a huge, fabulous finale where they decide that they need to do something to destroy the portal so it can't be opened, or destroy everybody here so they can't open the portal. And, and reopen the, the portal wars, in effect. But I was, yeah. I was quite surprised, though, when they didn't seem to give a monkey's chuff about it, actually. Um, and even Morgan, who played Ajit, who's, uh, who's an assassin, said, well, actually, I, I don't mind it. I'm quite keen on the idea because, you know, war's good for business. So, okay, never mind. They're not going to do some kind of heroic finale, uh, risking their lives, risking their ship to save the horizon. They're just going to try and save themselves and run. Which is what they're doing. <laughs> so.
0: Well, we'll wait and see. They might listen to this podcast.
1: I get no sense then that they realize will.
0: They realise what they hadn't realised before, and then and then turn the ship around and drive it into the portal to uh...
1: possibly. Well, they've got to I get don't know they've got to get back to the ship first. So they're still on the base, basically having just left that amphitheatre. Uh, that's where we right. have to leave it.
0: Well, yeah, there's so, exciting. There's a cliffhanger. So definitely um, a cliffhanger. Shall we listen to what they think of the campaign so far? Yeah, I was really keen to
1: get the guys uh, as a group to talk about not just the campaign but the Coriolis as as as, uh, as a whole and um, had the chance to earlier this week. Welcome to a very special anniversary edition of Players in the Hamam. <laughs> Regular listeners will know that mm. I've been running a Coriolis campaign for the last year or so, the so-called Spectral Corsair campaign. And it's covered about 15 scenarios, travel eight systems, led to one character death so far, and almost the culmination of the first campaign story arc. But I'm delighted to be here with the crew, or most of the crew, of the Spectral Corsair. Hi, guys. Hello. Um, our listeners today already know Tony a little bit, but we have three new players in the hamam today. And I'll just like to invite you all to say hi briefly and introduce yourself and your character in the campaign. So, uh, Pete. Hi, I'm Pete. Um... I play uh, Carter. Um, it's great. I really enjoy the game. It's the first game in Coriolis, so really enjoying it. And Carter's a. Carter's a.
0: Have, if, you, if, he had, if he has a problem, he'll just shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> that fairly well sums him up. Yeah. And he loves his cybernetics. He
2: does. Oh, yeah,
3: he's yeah. a cybernetics addict, too. It's okay. That's That's what he
1: he to loves the
3: attachments. <coughs> yeah. Connor. Hi, I'm Connor. I was Leo Valdez until he died. May you rest in uh, peace. Yeah. Is <laughs> having been That's my down. fault. <laughs> it <laughs> is totally <laughs> your fault. Having been dumped out of the airlock. Anyway, and um, now I am uh, Norse the Nekatra, legionary warrior. Yeah. I am Osgar, a human knight, and I was taking part in the war and probably caused the captain's death. Did cause the captain's death. Probably. <clears throat> I did not fire the trigger. That's, that, that's enough conscience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you've got a big contributory factor in the
2: death. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, in well, I'm telling you, my character is Han first come hating the humanite, uh, who's now taken over the role as captain of the ship following the sad, untimely death of the much-loved Captain Valdez. Just to
3: point out, we did shoot him at the airlock. Having um, <laughs> I didn't get an there? official burial, or, yeah, that was only after you know, it was
2: a captain's burial. Yeah, that's fine. You're meant to
3: put me out, you know, in a shroud and then like nah, burning and stuff, incinerator, and then you put the Naked captain, out. having had all his possessions, and so <laughs> yeah, you're not just meant to toss a naked guy out the airlock. I'm pretty sure you weren't naked, I, mean, I mean, we took
1: most Codney's of his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's
0: pretty lucky we didn't put him in the reactor, to be fair. Didn't we? That would have probably been more methods unlucky too. for you guys. Did we steal his legs. legs? You
1: did take his legs. Yeah, yeah it he stole my leg. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, welcome, guys. It's great to have you here. Um, the listeners are beginning to get a sense of what I've had to put up with over <laughs> the last year or so. Um, We're not apologising. <laughs> you no, know, I know you're not. I, know, I know. Um, So, what's been the high point of the campaign so far? Captain's
3: death. <laughs> <laughs> and same answer for low point for Connor. I, guess. I would probably put that as a low point. yes. Yeah. Well, I, to be honest, no. He died honourably, sort of. He uh, got shot in, yeah. shot in the heart. Well, he got he betrayed, got, yes, really? but Hardly. it wasn't. No, I mean, it's not betrayal if you don't pull the trigger. Right. It, I mean. That's betrayal. Isn't just shooting someone in the back. Literally, it could be it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shooting think it could in the back metaphorically. More widely than that, yeah. <laughs> To include your actions, it matter. <laughs> and so, what were your actions, then? Uh, Remind us. I let out everyone that they were going to sell, and then they kind of shot them afterwards. Yeah, we no, have no. So we had a bunch of guy uh, fugitives on board no. that we were gonna sell to some bounty hunters. bounty hunters who were tracking him but because he this You have the legitimate because, yeah. uh, for the bounty yes yeah and because you're so empathetic and uh, you can resist the it's uh, warp travel stuff it's yeah. so I know, I know space. we've sat around the table here Sorry. about to play Star Trek, Trek. but mm. let's <laughs> yeah. not mix up genres shall we my mistake <laughs> We, you can resist portal space, mine. fucking. Insanity, yeah. Um, and so you just instantly let them out, told them that we were going to sell them all off. So then upon waking up, we had guns pointing at us. Well, I we tried, tried to negotiate our way. Like, oh, we weren't actually going to sell you. So then we got in a big fight with the other guys. And yeah. You died in the first shot. Just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> They did not film you on,
1: on the plan
0: did we know? you sure I was outside did I was you? in
1: the toilet when you did this now I think so your I plan think... was to sell them to the bounty hunters though, wasn't it yeah, yeah, that was
2: yeah. Our plan. yeah that was definitely the plan we no. were saying we will <laughs> we sell them to the like bounty hunters <laughs> it keeps us yeah. safe because
3: we don't have to fight anyone they're in stasis so they're not going to fight us or we get paid yeah that's like the we perfect mean. job <laughs> but so, no
1: <laughs> so Pete for you what was your high point What has been your high point so far
0: definitely say that Possib- possibly getting out of Zalos. Was the <laughs> Everyone's pleased oh, to have... The, whole, the portal jump
3: out of Zalos. The, the, whole point of the whole campaign. <laughs> okay. out of
1: Zalos. I need to try harder as a GM then. To
3: no, no, no. Food. I was just
1: very <laughs> relieved we was out of Zalos. I mean, you came
3: out of Zalos pretty well. It's not like you'd actually taken much injury. Mm. True,
0: but I had come out
3: of it with a lame leg. So That's lame. true, yeah. 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 Forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe there's some infections to the left. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony, what about you? It's quite hard to pick one, really. A kind of couple of <laughs> to like the, yeah. um, Feel free to say
2: there's so many there I are can't so choose. many. That, that is true. I did enjoy when, we, when Lena, when we thought she was you know, a goodie, had basically handed herself in to save us. And we went to rescue her. She was about to be sent through the portal awake. Yep. That whole episode was quite good fun. It was, felt there was like genuine threat in what we were doing and the the kind of last minute sending out the used to go through the portal to kind of distract well, away from the portal while we kind of snuck through the
1: portal
3: to distract them was all quite it was an interesting one. I did I quite enjoy like Paul's bit reaction
1: of a... at the end of that which was Alright let's uh let's put the Spectral Corsair's transponder back on the ship. Oh the one that they've just, <laughs> just <laughs> chasing over, over there. <laughs> oh yeah that one. And
2: the kind of end of it last week when we were when uh, or whatever the last scenario was, when we, we realised that Elena was not really, that was didn't really have the same the... aims as we did, and that everything we've been kind of working towards throughout the entire campaign was not what we thought it was. You should have realised <laughs> that when she
3: tried to sleep with you. <clears throat> he was to sleep with, like, half of our crew? Well, i uh, <laughs> pretty good looking for her. She Some, might. Someone who's
2: in
1: desperate need of company, I guess.
2: <laughs> so that's quite good, because that, I think the clues probably were there, but hadn't really quite twigged until that scenario that even though we never really necessarily understood what Alina's motivations were, the fact that she handed herself in to save us, I guess, helped us trust her. But it was it hadn't really worked out that there was a you know, she was working to her, her own agenda that didn't actually
3: kinda of match up with ours at all at that point. I remember mean, hmm. when we first met her people were trying to hit on her and Dave was like, Oh, you need like 10 successes or something <laughs> and then later on she's just doing it willingly so <laughs>
1: yeah she just needed some persuasion she needed a bit of loving that's <laughs> cool. so what are your impressions of the game then what are you um because I mean this is the first time I mean I know Tone's playing in, in, in Matthew's campaign you know, as well as I am but for everybody it's pretty much the first time we've ever run the game mm. so
3: thoughts and impressions I, mean, I really like it I've not played a lot of different role playing games the one we played before was Mutant which is a lot it's made by the same Tiz, people yep, isn't it by Freely yep um, and I like that <laughs> yeah that well, that one you were just such a pain yeah. in the ass, just going off to do your own thing the whole time <laughs> and,
1: and then everyone the one, says we're
3: going this way and go, well, I'm going that way I mean I was right to <laughs> want to go the other way in the end was I not <laughs> well that well, that's always out. Yeah. well
2: out true every time did it I think mean, you did get yourself in some trouble yeah but... on
1: certain occasions I seem to remember Although you were the one at the end saying, let's not go to this place with the robots. Let's not go here. Yeah. Let's not get on this plane and as it's flying away. And you know, everyone else went, yeah,
3: it'll be fine. End of the game. Yeah, that was, yeah, the end that of the was campaign. very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, was d- I did like the spot in YouTube <laughs> where I did grow the extra arms midway in combat. so I could <laughs> just shoot and load my crossbow in the same turn. But no, this is, uh, I like the theme of it. It's very different from a lot of other um, Sci fi universe, I guess, with the, the portal travel everywhere rather than warp or light speed, etc. Yeah. And this got a very easterly sort of theme. Is that? Yes, yeah, sort of the Arabian nights yeah. and,
1: and Firefly combined. Yeah. yeah. And
3: it's, yeah, I, li- I like all the systems in it. It's really fun. And it's always risk with. Criticals, which is nicer than some other role playing games, where
1: we have learned that fighting can be very, very dangerous. We? Yeah. yeah, not in that, in, not only in this campaign, but in my one as well. When, when my character should have been dead, <laughs> but I got so grumpy about it, Matt let me off. But <laughs> 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 well, there was a perfectly good reason for it afterwards. I'd like to point out yeah. any other sort of impressions. A little bit, yeah. Any other impressions, Dean? Any, uh, Any thoughts about the game? 'Cause you run a lot of D D don't you now? So, uh, how does this compare?
3: Uh D D is in my respect I actually base a lot of my D off Choriolis kind of in a story kind of aspect rather than go through dungeons and do it as a dungeon crawler. Instead I like I really love that it's a story driven game rather than anything else. So the story is so important for me. I love getting immersed <laughs> into the story and I love being able to make my players see what I want to Show them. I want them to be able to experience the world through their own eyes. I want them to know what's in the world and what dangers could face them. I want them to feel terror as they, f- they face some sort of big beast which they have never seen before. <laughs> is that is that
1: what you feel in Coriolis every day, every damn day? And it's called my crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you were a latecomer, were you, to the to the to the campaign to the group? And as a Zelusian. Uh, freedom fighter, effectively, weren't you on, on, Zalo, on Zalos B? Yes. Um, you didn't necessarily
3: fit in. Well, he were not part of the. You literally the stowed away on our ship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah playing poker with ghosts. That was quite a
1: good way of introducing him to the <laughs> yeah. to the game, but uh, it didn't help for group cohesion, I suppose. <laughs> but you haven't killed him
2: yet. So, yes. We should have. Yes. Yeah, I was sorely tempted <laughs> after the betrayal of the. I mean, character. they had an execution vote. You don't get much closer. I've forgotten about what was the what was the score?
1: What was the Three main? two to not execute. <laughs> it doesn't get closer than that, does it? So, are there any aspects of the game that you feel are particularly strong, or anything you don't like about it? I
0: prefer the dice system in this game to. Dungeons and Dragons and so on. Uh, I feel it's more. There's more risk to it, but at the same time, there's also more chance of
1: you getting a success as well. Mm. So, it, I'm a big fan of the dice mechanic mm. in Coriolis. Yeah. Even um, though, how many times have we rolled the dice and gone, "Oh, bloody hell, not again"? I Ain't mean, nice and no successes. What's our record for no successes? 74. 74,
3: right? 74 dice. 74 74, 74, it? Dice. It's 74, 74 Morgan had 64, didn't he? Morgan got absolutely abysmal one time He yeah. got 74, I think. 74 I dice without 76. Might be 64, my bad. I think it was 64. But, I mean, I I still really like D&D style rolling mm. as well. I can see the perks of both. I really yeah. do like the D6 method. It allows for greater varying results but it feels sometimes a, well it's even more luck based in some ways in actually getting that good roll because only one result on a dice actually matters
0: mm. um, but it does it gives, it's,
2: One
3: of the things I like about this it gives a, a variation of
2: possible results so with D&D you're on a D20 it's more or less succeed or fail it's very binary whereas if you're rolling 10 D6s there are there's a range of successes you can get, you, know, you get none at all, which happens more often than you it feels like it should. <laughs> but you can get, you know, a range of successes from just succeeding to succeeding really well. Yeah. So well, I don't know. Have you more...
3: played the um what's it, Fantasy Flights uh, Star Wars role playing ones? No. Edge of the Empire and uh Age of Bane etc. I've, I've got Edge of Empire, I've never played it. We played one very yeah. brief campaign of it not even properly, but that's got a very the dice in that have, there's successes and then there's advantage and then there's failures and threat. And they, so succeeding, you can succeed in action but have a bunch of threat, which means you succeed but something negative happens. It's a bit like, or you can yeah. fail something and have yeah. advantage which means you don't do what you were trying to do, but maybe something else comes up or you get further advantage yeah. at some later point. It's
1: a bit like the gumshoe thing that we did online with Matt the Firefly.
3: Yeah. Where you oh, could yeah, succeed yeah.
1: but you then can succeed with a complication.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we played one very brief bit of Firefly ball playing game or some time back, didn't we? Which had similar things. Yeah. Not, not I don't I don't know if you did. No, but
1: I really like that that the dice mechanic in in, in Coriolis. Although I do think that there's probably more I could do as a GM or GMs could do to encourage the players to do more, be more imaginative with their successes. Because we found in the fights that we have, because their fights are so dangerous, you go straight for the crit. You get the chance to crit somebody, crit them, get them out of yeah. the fight if you can, which which is entirely understandable. But actually, I think maybe some of the real, uh, there's a real cleverness of the system is when players are encouraged to use their imagination to do things that are a bit more... Maybe movie-like. or a bit more dramatic, but then when you're there and you're playing, your crew's have been killed. Yeah, you want to put the bad guy down, don't you? More often than not. Yeah, but then that works really well. I mean, the, the, the scenario you mentioned, Tim, where Alina was killed, um, the dice worked brilliantly there, and then that, that dice, was just double, very convenient. Double six roll, <laughs> perfect at the end to, to kill her off. With yeah, the, so the dice did
2: work perfectly they played in the narrative part. sense in that one, didn't they?
3: And and that's, go... that's something I think you've done very well in that mm. we're not an easy group to go <laughs> But you've somehow managed to. Frankly. <laughs> I mean, we've probably gone off the rails at a few points, but you've managed to keep us in the general Only track of things. Only a few points? But I mean, when they go wrong. Because <laughs> I've not been doing or hosting role playing for an awful long time, but when we first started, it was completely loose and there was pretty much no planning and it was ridiculous and stupid. When we tried taking it a bit more seriously and a bit more, oh, we're going to have a story, players just left it. And it felt completely, it was very hard to keep players on track. And I know you've got to have a bit of both and you've got to have a general direction, but um, not train track them towards it. Not say, oh, you can't do this, you've got to go this way or whatnot. It's finding uh, for me, and, and you've done very well with that, I think, because um, <laughs> I'm the best GM. Stop feeding his <laughs> I, ego. I, I Stop did, feeding I his ego. I do have a recording no, just, of Matthew I, I somewhere saying
1: exactly that yeah. as well. Um, but I think it's a really good point because this, the the thing I've always struggled with as a GM is players having very disparate characters, very different characters, all with their own motivations, and they're really keen to go and do something, and none of those have to go in the same direction. So you end up with, or particularly with a very good friend of mine who doesn't play this anymore. Jamie, uh, he would just do his own thing. Whatever he felt like. and it would make life a complete nightmare for the GM. And getting the players to have the motivations to want to wander off a bit, but also to stay on the main track without being railroaded is, 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 is a real trick. Coriolis is good for doing that because when you roll up your crew, you roll up your crew together. So you've got some yeah. common goal right to the start, which helps. I think. Well, and
3: having a, what's it, a sponsor or something for yeah. a ship. And then having to be sort of forced to do stuff for him or, I guess, send goons after us or something. It'll be interesting is to oh,
2: uh, have that overarching job. It's kind of like having a, a season arc as opposed to mm. you know I mean, different things happening in individual episodes. But having that overall objective that you need to to do, basically, to make your money and to survive. Yeah, because you get role-playing games where you're just in you just prompt in the do, middle and just, oh, do you want. It drive the behaviour a bit, does you can't you can't stray too far from that mission.
1: Hmm. No, no. Well I'm delighted you've all really enjoyed it, guys. I, I know we've come up to twenty minutes now, so we probably ought to call this to a halt for the time being. But um just quickly rush us around the room, any any thoughts, any any advice you'd give to people who are thinking about playing Coriolis?
0: Never underestimate an enemy. Ever. <laughs> Don't murder a captain. <laughs> I thought you said you didn't. Oh, your so you're admitting you did now. <laughs> hey, never just
3: advice. I'm not saying I did it. <laughs> can I, Yeah, I mean, you should definitely give it a go. It's it's a very fun role playing game, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. I don't see a reason that people shouldn't try
2: it. Uh, yeah, just play it, give it a go, and uh, as we said, be very careful about who you fight.
3: <laughs> yeah, even this measliest of enemies if they roll well can because even you know, just some random
2: NPC you've just gone to kill because you've had a scenario where you you haven't killed anyone and you want to have a quick fight before you finish can can shoot you in the head and kill you <laughs> yes. or very nearly shoot you in the head and kill you <laughs> yes until you <laughs> salt enough to you know, have, <laughs> gym have
1: so the gym to turn it around <laughs> the other way yes <laughs> on that note thanks very much guys let's play some Star
0: Trek yeah yay <laughs> well it's really interesting to hear all the voices of the people that I've been hearing about <laughs> for uh, so many episodes. Uh, and some of them I know, obviously, but uh, there's some new voices to be there. Uh, it's rather tiresome to hear that they think you're a good GM. <laughs> well, I could live without that. I'm just building up a body of evidence, you know. <sighs> so. Right. Um,
1: Shall we move on? But yeah, I'd just like to say thanks very much to the guys for participating in in the Hammam, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. But yes, let's move on.
0: I think this is going to be a long episode. Uh, We've been talking a lot, but there is just one more thing to do uh, for the month of May. Yes. Our podcasting friends at Lawful Stupid have come up with an idea which they're calling Minmax Mankind. And they've challenged as many of their fellow tabletop RPG podcasters to participate in this project. And it's a very simple thing. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is give some money to charity. (sighs) Now, it's an interesting way that they work out how to give money to charity. What they say is we roll a D20. We add to it 10% of our Patreon takings. And then we donate that to the charity of our choice. Now of course
1: We don't have any patron takings.
0: We don't have any patron <laughs> takings. In fact, to be honest, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I spend a bit on the hosting of the site. It cost me sixteen quid or, or sixteen dollars. And I don't think the idea is taking one point six off what we roll on a D twenty, because knowing our luck we'll only roll a one. <laughs> So let's just roll a D20 and see where we go. But what charity should we we donate to? Well, I think something that's both relevant to you and I,
1: I think the um, MS Society would be a good one.
0: Yep, yep. We both know people who uh, have got multiple sclerosis, so that sounds like a really good idea. Um,
1: Do you want to roll the dice? So I've got a lovely shiny, one of my lovely shiny red Star Trek Adventures D20s, which I shall roll. And I was going to suggest that... um, seeing these dice are lovely but they're really expensive but they're lovely uh what what we should do is roll a d20 and then add the cost of the dice to what we are going to pledge and i think the dice is probably cost
0: about a fiver each maybe a bit less but let's should we say a fiver yeah i i I seem to remember getting a discount on the dice pack um but it wasn't much of a discount i realize i spent quite a lot of money <laughs> on the dice um, it's a lovely dice the pack does but, come with what five or six dice so so let's say a fiver let's, let's add a fiver five. to it
1: right and i'm going to roll the dice now this is obviously exciting stuff for a podcast but uh, here we go yeah very visual uh, well that is a 13 13 plus 5 18
0: pounds that's, excellent
1: that's not bad is it uh, it's better
0: than that, nothing. Will, we'll do that. Excellent. And we'll send that to, to the MS Society. And um, that brings this podcast to a close. That brings uh, this year I don't think we have... to a close. And this year, yeah. Here's an interesting, do we, do we start the next podcast with uh, season two or
1: something? <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, let's, think about that. Let's, so, let's uh, do that thing. The next episode will be episode one of season two, volume two, season two, or whatever we're going to call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's a great jumping on point. Tell all your friends. <laughs> yeah. And I will have my 500 subscribers. We will. We will. Uh, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. There's a plan. Uh, that's the only plan we've got for the next episode. In the meantime, we just, are, as recording, we've released. Part two of the tale
1: of a tale of changeling,
0: changeling, yeah, and uh, there's at least an, uh, at least two more episodes of that to go. So they'll they'll probably hit your pod listening device before our next episode. Yep, that episode will have some content in it that is yet to be devised.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. So it's a great big thank you to all our listeners, and
0: a great big goodbye for me. And it's goodbye from me, and may the icons bless your adventures. Indeed.
1: (laughs) You have been listening to The Coriolis Effect, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods, with music Stars on a Black Sea by Free League Publishing, and Ja Mår Du Liva by Songhatten. Imagery from NASA and the Hubble Space Telescope, brought to you by Wikimedia Commons. Typeface is code by Font Fabric.